Welcome to the Yav Podcast with Kelsey on South Sharab Radio. So I want to jump into the Rooney Rule. I actually want to read you the definition of what the Rooney Rule is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rooney Rule is a National Football League policy that requires league teams to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operation jobs. It is an example of affirmative action. Even though there is no hiring quota or hiring preference given to minorities, only an interviewing quota. It was established in 2003, and variations of the rule are now in place in other industries. The rule is named after Dan Rooney, the former owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers and former chairman of the league's diversity committee. It was created as a reaction to the 2002 firings of head coaches Tony Dungy of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dennis Green of the Minnesota Vikings at a time when Dungy had a winning record and if people remember, the very next year, uh, John Gruden went and won the Super Bowl with his exact team. And Dennis Green, who had just his first losing season in, in 10 years. Shortly afterwards, U.S. civil rights attorneys Cyrus Mar- uh, Mary and Johnny Cochran released a study showing that black head coaches, despite winning a higher percentage of games, were less likely to be hired and more likely to be fired than their white counterparts. Former NFL players Kellen Winslow and John Wooden put together an affinity group of minority scouts, coaches, and front office personnel to advocate for the rules creation. Its purpose was to ensure that minority coaches, especially African-Americans, would be considered for high-level coaching positions. Fritz Pollard was the first minority head coach in NFL history, which was during the league's early years in the 20s. And by the time the rule was implemented, only Tom Flores, Art Shell, Dennis Green, Ray Rhodes, Tony Dungy, and Herm Edwards had ever held head coaching jobs. And only Dungy and Edwards were actively head coaching at the time of the rules implementation, though Shell and Green would later return to coaching. Uh, Dungy in particular had struggled for years uh, before getting a head coaching job. He was often promoted as a, a head coaching candidate by Chuck Knoll when Dungy was an assistant coach under Noel in the 80s with the Steelers, but he would not become a head coach until 1996 when he took over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another former Steeler assistant, Marvin Lewis, also struggled to find head coaching positions despite immense success as a Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator and would not find a head coaching position until being hired by the Cincinnati Bengals in 2003, the year the Rooney Rule went into effect. This definitely was not the way I was going to start my show. <laughs> I was actually going to focus on, you know, uh, on, on the awards, like who won the MVP, defensive player of the year, all of that. Last weekend's games, the upcoming Super Bowl, Tom Brady's retirement. Um, you know, actually, we were going to talk about the hiring process of black coaches as it stood. But, man, I, I, I as much as the sporting world, was not expecting – uh, this Brian Flores lawsuit on the NFL for racial discriminatory practices to be a thing. And that was going to dominate the news cycle coming out of the NFL. So um, on the day that <laughs> that black history month started, this lawsuit slams against the front door and lands on the porch. So for those that don't know the story, former Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores is filing a class action lawsuit against the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the new the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos over racial hiring practices, which include finding out that he was being passed over by a head coach as a head coach 
uh, by his mentor and former boss, Bill Belichick, when he was actually still scheduled to do a second interview with the New York Giants, as well as Stephen Ross, the former owner, or sorry, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, who allegedly offered Flores $100,000 per loss to tank to get the number one pick, a.k.a. losing games on purpose. Now, I know that was a ton of information to digest. Um, <laughs> yes, Roger. Sorry. To, 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 I just wanted to make sure I read that correctly. It, that wasn't for, that wasn't off the top of my head. I read most of that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, and, and again, you know, South Shire family member Roger Callender. But what are your thoughts on everything you watched and read regarding this story? Honestly, Calvin, I would like to say I'm surprised, but I'm really not. I feel like this situation has been happening for since the beginning of time with the NFL. The only difference now is that there's actually a man that's willing to take the NFL to task. I mean, the last time we saw this was Ka- was Colin Kaepernick, right? Right. He sacrificed his career um, in order to try and pave the way for other, you know, other black athletes, um, other ba- black athletes, basically. And you know, he was basically blackballed. He was blackballed from the league. Um, I suspect the same thing's going to happen with Flores, um, but I, I have to say I'm not really surprised. I mean, the sad part is the Rooney Rule was put in in 2003. The only reason they put the Rooney Rule in in the first place was because Johnny Cochran, like you like you said earlier, threatened to sue the league, and that's why they put it in. Um, you know, it's 20 years 20 years from that, almost 20 years from that, from that, and we're still seeing the exact same stuff happening right now as we did back then. There's the NFL has 70% 70% black people in in the NFL, and there's only one one black well not even a black owner but one one minority owner, and that's um, Khan, um, who is the owner of Jaguars, and now. There's one black head coach. It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. Um, you know, somebody needs to do something. I'm glad Flores has actually taken to task and he's showing receipts. Hey, man, he somebody needs to do something. And realizing that he's probably going to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, right now, I believe he's still up for two NFL jobs. I think it was uh, the Saints and I think I think Texans. it was Minnesota, but I'm not 100% I think sure. I think it was the Texans, actually. It was the Texans? Yeah. Chances of him getting those jobs are practically nil at this point. The, the, well, and and to to your point, not to cut you off, but that Minnesota job, you know, um, mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh is uh, is That's is right. currently being flown up to Minnesota to do that yep. second interview. So you pretty much know if he's interested, you pretty much know where that's going to go. Absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And actually, I heard that for for Houston, I heard that the um, the leading candidate was actually Josh McCown. <laughs> that's what they were saying and i mean oh, when I first heard oh, that, we're, gonna get, I, I we're gonna get to that we're gonna get to that one. Oh, oh my god yeah when i heard that i was like what the hell's going on this guy's not even a coach in the nfl he's not an offensive coordinator he's not even a coach in in college this guy teaches he, he's a high school coach like seriously that's where we're at now that's really where we're at right now um it's sad. It really is sad, you know, because when the Rooney Rule first came out, you know, I was a little, I was excited, obviously, because I thought, okay, the, at least we're not even saying, they're not even saying you need to hire a black candidate. They're just saying you need to interview a black candidate, which I never thought thought, thought went far enough, but mm-hmm. at least it was something. And now it's it's become somewhat of a joke. It's just a, a check mark that they put on 
when it comes to them interviewing candidates. Oh, black candidate, check mark. There's no intention of ever giving them the job. And this this just proves it. And it's it's terrible. It's a huge black guy for the NFL, especially coming into Black History Month. And I know very recently, you know, they've been promoting like black lives and you know, they're allowing the, the NFL players to put the names of victims of police violence on their shoes and they're putting black lives matter you know on the end zones and stuff like that and that's great and everything but at the end of the day i see that nothing more as a as a pr stunt because same problems 20 years later and that's basically just a fact well just those things that you're talking about like i i realize even myself watching some of the games and seeing the at the bottom of some players helmets they'll be like stop hate or end racism and yeah, that's cool, but it's like it's like a sympathetic symbolism. You know what I mean? Like it's like a, a symbolic Absolutely. gift. It doesn't really, I don't know. It, it doesn't really do anything. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's cool. It's yeah, it's it's cool for the moment. But if it's not attached to anything that's weightier than that, it's it's kind of like a, a helium balloon that just floats in the sky. It looks nice until it just disappears, and then you just you go back and look at the birds, and you continue on with your day. Like that's that's where we're at with this thing. Yeah. And I think and I think the Rooney rule at this point is it's like a wink wink nod. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a nod and like remember on Carlton and the Fresh Prince, every time we did an interview, he's like, I got the wink and the nod. I got the wink and the gun. Like that's <laughs> kind of what this is. And yeah. and there's literally like five thousand ways and five thousand directions how to di- dissect this. Um but for starters, I wanna give props to Brian Flores for even trying to do this. You know what I mean? Because yeah. As you said, he's in the midst of of still being scheduled for interviews with the with the Saints and Texans. That I think he said that he, even if he gets hired, he still plans on continuing the lawsuit, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know because like you got to think about it. This doesn't only take guts and courage to go up in court against the NFL monster, but you know he he may also be Kaepernicking himself in the process, which that in itself I have so many problems with. Listen, he's definitely Kaepernicking himself, no doubt about it. And I mean, just think about the situation. Think about how humiliate, how humiliating it is. You know, you're up for a job, and you basically get out of the blue. You get uh, a text message from your ex coach, uh, your ex boss, Bings, basically saying congratulations on getting the job. Um, the one thing I think that's different from from what I believe from what you said before is I believe he he hadn't even he hadn't even interviewed once yet. I don't believe he was going back for a second interview. From what I from what I read and what I understood, he was going in there for a first interview. Right, um, right. You're right. Okay. Sorry, but if I said that, Ed, that I stand corrected. If I said that, yeah. So basically, you get a text message from your ex job saying congratulations on getting the job. Um, you know they love you. Blah 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 blah. And then you realize to yourself, you're like, oh, thank you. Then you realize, wait a minute, I haven't even interviewed for the job. It's Monday, and I interview on Thursday. So then he puts two and two together and figures out, wait a minute. Are you talking, did you send this message to me, Brian Flores, or did you say it to Brian DeBall? And then Belichick's like, oh, shoot, sorry, man, I fucked up. It's like, come on. All these people are obviously within the same circle. Like, how would even Bel- how would Belichick even get that information unless he was talking to management for the Giants? They obviously all know what's going on, and they all have found a way to circumvent the, Ro- the Rooney rule in order to, to make it look like, oh, we're, we're going to... We're going to, we're going to um, interview a candidate, a black candidate, already knowing that you already gave the job to a white candidate. Who's, to be honest with you, I don't think that guy is anywhere as good 
as Brian Flores. Because when you look at Brian Flores' history, his history is pretty damn good. Right. So it's me, it's like, it's just another slap in the face. Like, honestly, just another slap in the face. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's, you know, you get tired of, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about my fatigue in a moment, but like, and this is why I said, like, like the, the, the term Kaepernicking himself, I, I even feel wrong saying it because it's like, how much times do we have? How much times do we have to have a sacrificial lamb in this scenario? Like, why can't this guy do this and still get a job? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it shouldn't. It like you know, cause, and we know how it's gonna go because just based on past history. But it's just it shouldn't even be at this stage at this point now, where like he's calling this out to this degree, and like like he's basically gonna have to coach high school football or. or you know, or or hopefully like a HBCU picks him up. Maybe Deion Sanders picks him up and puts him on his uh, on his coaching staff and, and rebuild the process all over again. But a guy like this, who's he's forty years old, he's his name should be bubbling like how Shanahan's name is bubbling and um, um, what's his name and, and like a Sean McVay, like how their names are kind of like bubbling up. Like these guys are termed as geniuses and they haven't even won anything yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it's like when I look at this stuff, it's like at this stage, I mean, 40 is a, he's a young I mean, he's younger than us. He's a young it's a young age. That's a young age to be a coach. Very much. So. It's, it's a young age to be a coach and to think that like this guy's career is pretty much at an end because he's actually doing the right thing and calling this out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like enough of the sacrificial lambs, man, like like enough. Like how much times do we have to go through this? Turns my stomach. It's disgusting. And I mean. Every year, like how many how many more examples do we need for us to actually for people actually to wise up and really open up their eyes? I mean, look at look at the history of the NFL, and this is just from the past couple of years. You know, you have for instance Josh Mc well, let's just talk recently. Josh McDaniels, right? A few years back, Josh McDaniels was he got hired for the coach of um, the Broncos. Man did a horrible horrible job. In two years, I think they won like five games. Terrible job. He got caught cheating. Um, he was videotaping the, um, the defense for the Niners, right? Mm. Got fired. Came back to the Patriots. Worked for the Patriots for a few years. He got another opportunity with Indy. Um, he took the job, shook hands, did everything. Two days later, he decided he didn't want the job anymore, right? And after they announced it, they said, this is our guy, blah, blah, blah. He came back and said, nah, I don't want the job, right? He ended up leaving. Now he gets another opportunity to coach the Raiders. And they basically grab him up like he's like he's he's filet mignon or something like that. Even after that terrible history, he still has a better chance of getting the job than, let's say, uh, Eric Bieniemy. You know, it, it just it just blows my mind. And then when I look back past couple of years, I think of, you know, Steve Wilkes. Remember that situation with Steve Wilkes where he was um, he was literally the coach of the Cardinals for one year. Yeah, um, they had a horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, they had a horrible team that year, horrible team. They had no quarterback. Um, they basically gave away all their talent. And we all knew that he was going to have a horrible season. And he did have a horrible season. What ended up happening? Instead of giving him the chance to rebuild, they ended up firing him and going with Cliff Clinsbury, who was basically fired from Texas A M M and A M M for having a losing season. 
And then he ended up taking an OC job with another college. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a Division two or even a Division three college. And they still thought that he was good enough to basically take the NFL job, take the coaching job for the NFL. When there was other black candidates that would have been a thousand percent better, but they still thought that picking this guy would be better than taking any other black candidates or any other candidates that were worthy for the job. You know, it's just constant slaps in the face like that. And it's like, you know, I've always been told that, you know, being a black man, especially in, in this world, you have to be three times, maybe even four or five times better than a white counterpart in order to, to get the same sort of opportunity. And it's true. It's true. I see examples like that all the time. And it's sad that somebody, the only reason people are actually talking about this is because somebody has basically sued the NFL. You know, it's crazy. It blows my mind. And, and, so and I think that's the reason why I wanted to, to just even to discuss the situation with, you know, with black coaches this week was in some parts as to what Flores is speaking about. Right. Like after all these years of the Rooney rule and even with the uh, the Fritz Pollard Alliance that was created to ensure that black candidates have a, a fair opportunity to not only coach um, and have other coaching roles, but to help out in management and, and executive positions to at least have a fair shot at those at those roles. But it feels like we're back to ground one, if not ground zero. And this is all before, like, everything exploded yesterday, right? And the stat I spouted out last week about, um, you know, four years ago, there were seven black coaches. And, and, you know, as of last week, we only have one. Like, we're moving backwards. But, you know, when, when people wonder if the Rooney rule should be scrapped altogether, and trust me, I've thought this myself, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you I don't think you can still do that because once you do that and have nothing else to put it in place, put like put back into place, you could even kiss the fake opportunities goodbye. Absolutely. You know what, what I mean? So it's like you you kind of have to like but you have to revisit this. Like, you know, at this at this point it's it's kind of like I feel like the way they've circumvented this rule is like a hacker. You know what I mean? Like they just they just kind of like work their way around the system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've worked their way around the system to make sure that they're not they're not gonna get in trouble and you know that it's nothing's gonna come back on them. Like they've they found the loopholes, they're working within the the loopholes. Calvin, and those are just the and those are just the, the the actual owners that actually are adhering to the Rooney rule. How many different like in the past couple of years, how many owners have actually haven't even bothered with the Rooney rule and basically just took the flack took over? Took the fine, it? yeah. Yeah, it's it's it happens so often because when you look at it, who are the owners? Like, what are they made up of? Old white men in their sixties, seventies, and eighties that are billionaires, and they're basically yeah, telling they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're basically all telling, yeah. absolutely, they're basically saying we don't give a fuck. We're gonna do whatever the hell we want, and we're gonna hire who we want. Right? I'd say only half of them, maybe half of them, or maybe even a quarter of them, actually adhere to the Rooney Rule. The rest of them just don't care. They yeah. just don't give a shit. You, you know what? I, I, I and and here's I guess what I want to ask too. Like, you know, and that, and that's the whole point. So let me rephrase that. The whole point of that Rooney Rule is that black coaches are much less likely to get hired and more likely to get fired, and they don't get these these golden opportunities to coach solid teams right off the top. You know, mm-hmm. and I know you mentioned some examples already with with Steve Wilkes and. Um, you know, I mean, that situation was crazy, too, because just to add, they also had the worst offensive line in the league. And if I remember correctly, that's that was the season when um 
when David Johnson he broke his hand. Yep. Right. So yep. so the, he didn't even have his top running back. He didn't have a quarterback. He you know other than Fitzgerald, he barely had anybody else. And what did they they think? What did they win? One game that year. Yeah, they won, it was something like that. It yeah, was bad. They, they won one game that year, and you know the the prize at the end of the day was Kyler Murray, and he doesn't even get to draft him. I mean, he doesn't get to, to develop him. <laughs> we have no idea. Like 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 Clint like. Uh, Clinsbury is coming. He's done a decent job. Like this year, they were they were a good team until they fell apart at the end. But again, we have no idea if Wilkes would have did the same thing. We have no clue. The guy didn't yep. get a shot, and be, and based on the one and fifteen record, he's probably never going to have a shot again to be a head coach. Yep. Based on yep. that record, right? But I mean, again, you took all the talent away. He's he's generated this shitty record, and now that record is going to be used against him like a like a mole across his forehead. It's like it's almost like a like a burnt cross on the shoulder. <laughs> There's nothing else you could do. You know what I mean? Like, like they, again, David Cully, as you're talking about, you know, before, like this year he coaches Houston with no Deshaun Watson. You know, they beat the number one seed in the AFC. You know, play, like he's basically has a, a very inconsistent quarterback play. Whether it was Tyrod Taylor, if when he wasn't playing. You had um, Austin Mills. Is it Austin Mills or Austin Davis? Austin I can't Davis. Austin Davis. Yeah, Austin Davis. He was, you know, decent rookie, but he was pretty inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And he gets fired, you know, again after what one season, right? Like you, and you know what the season was going to be. No Deshaun Watson. You pretty much and, and Deshaun Watson was basically keeping them together the first like last year with Absolutely. no with basically no talent, and you got rid of more talent, and he didn't play, and he got one season out of that. Jim Caldwell, right? That guy yep. can't even get a, a, a job, even though he took over from Dungy and, and helped coach Peyton Manning and the Colts to another Super Bowl appearance. And he coached the Detroit Lions to two playoff appearances in the last four years this, this past decade. Yep. And he can't even, and he, can, he can't even, like, he's not even, he's barely getting interviews. You yep. know what I mean? And then meanwhile, you know, your boy Adam Gase. <laughs> well, don't even talk about, don't even say that name around me. Your, your boy Gase, that, <laughs> that guy got two gigs back to back in the same oh division. Oh, I I forgot about that. In the same oh division, <laughs> and, worst and, coach ever, and was terrible, terrible at both. You imagine he torpedoed the Dolphin season, and another team in the same division that's playing against him, you know, regularly, season regularly, looked at that and said, "He's the guy for us." I know. I still, Calvin, I was losing my mind when I read that. I was like, this is unflippin' believable. This guy literally, literally destroyed, literally destroyed that team single-handedly, gave away all their talents, basically traded them away for nothing, for peanuts. They had three or four losing seasons with this guy, like really bad losses. And somebody actually said, you know what? I think that's the guy for me. That's the guy that I want who's going to be leading my team. <laughs> Unfucking believable, man. That's still, honestly, that oh, drives me crazy, man. Got, and got, and got, if I remember correctly, got swept in by the Jets, too. Like, it wasn't even like, I don't even know if they even interviewed that much people. Like They did it. They did it. And, and, and that's what kills me. They thought that that guy was the guy, honestly. But, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, we can't do anything right. Um, you know, I don't know if you read this, you read about the story recently where Hugh Jackson came out. So Hugh Jackson basically was coach of, um, 
he was a coach of the Browns. He coached from, I think it was around two or three years, um, 2016, 2017, I think 2018 as well. With the Browns, right? With the Browns, exactly. With Cleveland Browns. So he recently came out and he said that his owner, uh, Jimmy Haslam, actually paid him $100,000 for each game that he tanked so that they could get a better position, a better draft position at the end of the year, right? Mm -hmm. And then he said after these three years of him tanking, and I think his record was horrible, it was like something like, Three and thirty-six, right? right? You only won three games in in those two years, or actually three years would make more sense if, if you're looking at out games. Mm. So three for thirty-six, he won three games. After that, they actually fired him because they said that his performance wasn't up to par. After they were paying him a hundred thousand dollars to tank each game, it's like you can't win. And then look at Brian Flores; he's offered a hundred thousand dollars to tank as well, right? This guy's honorable. He's saying, no, you know what? I'm going to win. I'm here to win. And I owe it to these guys and the, the, the teammates, um, you know, obviously the players and everybody, to basically win. He he leads the team, Miami, to two winning seasons, nine and, and nine and seven last year and then 10 and six this year, right? Mm-hmm. They completely caught fire towards the end of this year. And they were on, they were on like a five or six game winning streak. They played really, really well. They came this close from making it to the playoffs. Right, my Patriots just managed to slide in before them, and basically, what ends up happening, he gets fired after two winning seasons, and then the owner comes out, and during the press conference of him announcing that he's firing, that he's firing Flores, he basically says that this guy is hard to work with, and he wasn't basically he wasn't jiving with everything that they wanted to do there. And it's that, like you can't win. If you if you lose games, you get fired. If you win games, you get fired. Either way, it leads to the same thing, which is you getting fired. Yeah, that that difficult to work tag is the, is the same tag that oh. that plagues black actors in Hollywood, right? One hundred percent. Actors, athletes, you name it. The difficult to work with, the angry black man, all those things are things that you hear over and over again. Even with the police. Oh well, the. The suspect was aggressive. He seemed angry and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I'd be angry too if out of the blue you just come and grab me and slam me to the ground as if I'm a criminal. But yes, that's that's basically what black people get plagued with. And regardless of whether it's sports or, you know, entertainment, it doesn't matter. It it works all it works throughout every single um every single scenario. You know what's crazy about that Josh McCowan thing? You know what's crazy about it? What's not crazy about it? You know, he's not even being paid for that high school job. He's like a volunteer <laughs> for the high school for that high school football team, wherever wherever he's coaching at. He's volunteering. Stop he's volunteering. Stop it, Calvin! Stop it! Stop it! He's volunteering it, the position. I'm not even lying to you. He's volunteering Stop it. for I'm the gonna position. Start knocking my head against this wall, honestly. <laughs> Houston and he's literally a volunteer football coach for a high school team and I'm not even sure if the volunteering spot is is volunteering role is a coach oh I'm not even God. sure about that Google it while, while we're talking look it up while we're talking right now but that's like when I heard that I'm like that that has that has got to be like so insulting and then and then you're looking at like like when you hear news like that, what is Eric Bieniemy's feeling? Like yeah. you're you're in charge of the most explosive offense in the in the NFL for the last four years. It's, it's practically historic. Like you're you're basically going to be talking about Mahomes and this and the time that they took over the league. 
you know, for the next 20, 30 years. And he, this guy hasn't even gotten an interview. My God. You know, it's, it's, it's why someone like DeMarco Ryans, who did a fantastic job with the, with the Niners as a, as a defensive coordinator, you wonder, too. Like, he took his name out of the running for, the, for two positions, and they didn't say why, but I'm pretty sure this has some of it had to do with him feeling like he's only going to be filling a quarter, checking a box instead of yeah. being seriously considered for an interview. Because I was wondering that, too. I was like, why is, why is he taking his name out of the running for these jobs? And then it's like, oh, yeah. When you saw the, um, the Flores thing, you're like, oh, yeah, that's why he did that. He probably felt like he didn't, ever, he didn't really have a shot. Why go for this interview? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and I felt, I, I felt really bad for Flores. I don't know if you caught the interview he had with um, CBS this morning. I did, yeah. And, you know, the, one of the things that came up was Nate Grossman was asking him, well, if you knew that you weren't going to get the job, why did you go and interview? Like, he still ended up going to, to the Giants interview. And you know what? The guy shook his head, and at the end of the day, he said, well, you know, hope. I was just hoping that there still might be a chance. And it's like, it's such a sad state of affairs when a coach, a really good coach at that, ends up losing his job wrongfully. And then he can't even get another job because he's basically being beat out by somebody who who basically is not not even as good as him in terms of not as good as him, doesn't have the experience that he has. And I mean, honestly, the Giants, when was the last time they had a really good coach in the first place? The Giants have been crap. Since Tom like, Coughlin left. Since Tom Coughlin left, 100%. They've been horrible, and their choices of coaches have just gone down. Remember when they hired Ben McAdoo oh to be God. their coach? <laughs> that bastard. And it was like, that was a nightmare. Like, nightmare after nightmare after nightmare. Joe Judge, nightmare. All of them, nightmares. Here's, and it's a, like, here's a fun fact. You know that the, the New York Giants is the only franchise that never hired a black coach of any kind? <laughs> no, I never I, knew that until today, actually. I'm not surprised i'm really not surprised honestly i'd imagine there's quite a few there's quite a few um teams in the league that have never had a black quarter a black coach so i'm i'm not really shocked i mean it, it wasn't even too long ago what was it maybe 20 25 years um they wouldn't even have they would allow a black man to be a quarterback because they said that the position was too cerebral like yeah. i mean the rise of black quarterbacks only started happening when was it maybe in the 90s basically uh, moon cunningham moon cunningham exactly yeah like i mean before that i mean and this, this is still rhetoric we hear today right not too long ago lamar jackson oh he's not a quarterback he has great feet we should make him a, a wide a receiver. receiver or was it running back it was a running back right no, i think it was receiver I think yeah. it was receiver, it, and, it, and it was his mother that made him stay and not try out for any other position other than quarterback. My God. It's, it's like, and, 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 you know, mama knows best because <laughs> I mean, she, was, she was right. And then, look, and the, the running joke, um, you know, I don't know if you listen to the Levitard show, but the running joke is for the last few years they've been making fun of um, uh, Bill Polian, who's a <laughs> Hall of Fame executive, a Hall <laughs> of Fame executive with the Bills and the Colts, and he was on ESPN saying that this guy is going to be a great receiver. He's not going to be a quarterback in the league. And then two years later, he wins the MVP. Unfucking believable. <laughs> oh my gosh, just terrible. And and I root for him because you know he's dark skinned He's got he's got box box braids. You know yep. what I mean? Like he's he's yep. he, he talks very southern, but like you can't stop him. 
No, you know, so no. I I root for him just for those, just for that fact. That's on top of him being like a really good player. You know what I mean? And I'm being biased, I guess, in this situation. But truly, really and truly, it's like, you know, they don't like, uh, they don't really want him to be the face of the league. You know no, what I mean? They don't. And they, and you could tell because every opportunity they, they have, they find a way to, to bring him down. You oh, know? Absolutely. Like this, this year, was it, I don't know if it was this year or last year, they were, they were spending an, an inordinate amount of time shitting on him. And it was weird because you're like, didn't this guy win the MVP? Absolutely. Am I wrong? Yeah, and when you look at his numbers, his numbers are still better than three quarters of the quarterbacks inside of the league. I would say like ninety percent of the guys. Really and truly. Really and truly. And and really and truly, other than this, other than him him being injured, like he was amazing most of the year. He just injuries caught up with him, but like you couldn't you really couldn't stop him this year. No, you couldn't stop him. And I mean realistically, look at the team that he's on as well. Baltimore is a running team. They're not a passing team. They've never been a passing team. Yeah, They've always been a running team. They're a run-first team, and then the pass basically opens up their run. That's how they've always been. So criticizing a man because he doesn't throw enough yards or so on, it's ridiculous when you're on a team that basically runs 70% of the time. It's it's like you he can't win like you can't win you cannot win not nowadays you and, cannot and, win. and and with and with Lamar it's like a gift and a curse too because he's so gifted running but at the mm-hmm. same time as you're seeing from this year it's like those hits take a toll after a while you that speed becomes a little slower and a little bit slower and a little of bit course. slower and guys are now before you you know you're you're m- making guys miss now they go from like you know being able to tackle you to just knocking you out. You know, you, you're, see, you're seeing that with Cam Newton now. Like, Cam Newton cannot run guys anymore. And as big as he is, guys are like, you know, guys are finding him immediately. Where before, like, you didn't want to tackle him. And you may still not want to tackle him, but he's a lot easier to bring down now. Listen, the NFL is probably the roughest, roughest sport out of every other sport out there. You know, there's a reason why a shelf life for for running back is about three to five years. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks don't normally last. And the ones that do, they fall off that cliff. And when they fall off the cliff, they fall off of it fast. Right. Guys like Ben Roethlisberger, guys like Peyton Manning, guys like Drew Brees, right? Their last year uh, before they retired, they were terrible. And it's because of all the injuries. All those injuries add up after a while. I mean, the NFL is a young man's game. The fact that Tom Brady has made it this long, um, you know, 22 years, is just, it's crazy. It's incredible, you know. If you had told me that there was a 44-year-old who basically leads the league in passing and touchdowns and so on, I would have told you you're a flipping liar because I wouldn't believe it. It just doesn't make any sense. Or you would have thought, or, or thought it was the 60s. Oh, yeah, true. true <laughs> you would have thought true, it was true. the 1960s. You're like, ah, were there black guys playing in that time? No, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, a 45-year-old playing. Sure, sure, why not? I yeah. mean, and, and, there, and there was in the history of the game, too, I think. I can't remember their names, but there was there was a couple of quarterbacks that played into like their mid forties. But yeah, completely different game back then. Completely different game. Yeah, when you're when you're talking when we if we want to go back, we're talking about Brandon Cunningham, Michael Vick. Um, we're talking about um, Warren Moon, like all these guys. It's like they they all had a they all had the ability to run, and yeah. eventually they all got injured, and obviously their their skills kind of deteriorating after a while i mean rg3 is a perfect example of that as well you know he came in the league for the first two years he was blowing people away 
Yeah. And then he just started getting injuries and it just kind of accumulated. And then he had a he had a stupid head coach that basically just like to honestly just like to keep putting him into harm's way. And it got to the point where he couldn't even play anymore. Or or he was playing, but he was a shell of himself, right? Yeah. And now he's an analyst on the ESPN. Yes, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. But the NFL is a difficult league, man, and you know, for somebody to succeed, like you're looking at when I look at Cam Newton, when I look at Josh Allen, like guys who have skills, they're a little bit larger, you know, they could run. It's great. But I mean, I worry for these guys. Like Cam Newton, I'm not surprised his skills deteriorated. How many surgeries has he had? How many leg injuries has he had? Um fact of the matter is also when you're a running quarterback, the refs don't protect you like they would protect a pocket passer like Tom Brady or or, you know, a Peyton Manning, right? They see you as a runner first, regardless of the fact that you're a quarterback. So when you get hit, you get some vicious hits. You don't get those calls. Yeah. You know, you never get those calls. Yeah, but it's, it's crazy, man. But crazy. The, the, the crazy thing about all this, too, though, is like when you when you really look at this, like this Rooney rule thing, especially what's happening here, like, like think of what Flores is arguing about. Flores is really and truly, in the grand scheme of things, He's arguing for crumbs. Mm. Like this is a lawsuit. Yeah. This is lawsuit for crumbs from a slice of bread. He's yeah. not. He's not asking for the loaf. He's asking for the crumbs from the slice of bread from that loaf. Like an yeah. interview to get a fair yeah. process during an interview. Yeah. Like this they is crumbs, Roger. This is crumbs. Even even that's too much for them. Even that's too much. Um, you know, you look at examples like Colin Kaepernick, right? So Kyle Kaepernick meals, oh my gosh, he's against the troops, he's against this, he's against America, blah, blah, blah. When in fact, it was a member from his own team, I think it was Nick something, I don't know if it was Nick Soldier or whatnot. Anyways, he was a Marine and he said, instead of sitting down on the bench, why don't you kneel? At least then you show respect, right? So he kneels. He's the worst thing in the world, Calvin. They're calling for his death. Yet, two or three years before that, Tim Tebow kneeled during the national anthem. I think it was in support of it was in support of something like abortion or something along those lines. Some some sort of Christian cause. Yeah, they call it Tebowing. Yeah, and they call it Tebowing. They basically call it Tebowing. Nobody said anything about being insulted. Um, he's insulting the flag. He's insulting the soldiers. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. But when a black man does it, completely different rules. And he's he's treated completely differently. So I mean, it's, yeah. Can can we talk? Can we talk about how hilarious that text bubble is between Bill and Brian? <laughs> Who gave this guy? A, you know what? You know what? Bill Bill, Bill Belichick's problem is like I love Bill Belichick as a coach. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. But you know what? The man is what I think he's pushing seventy years old. He is seventy maybe, years old, I think. At yeah, least now, maybe yeah. it's time for somebody to take his cell phone away from him because obviously he doesn't <laughs> know how to use it properly. <laughs> but but you but you know what the thing is? It's like it, it, it's unbelievable because and, and and part of it is funny because like you know that could now affect history, and and the thing is, it's such a normal mistake. Like we've all done it. You know, mm-hmm. but at the very least, when you do it, it's like you may get a, a, a snarky comment or a few laughs from that friend or friends in the chat group. It doesn't reverberate all across sports and, and scratch the walls of history. You know what I mean? To the, mm-hmm. to the, to the point where, like, people are going to be in the, in the future studying this mistake, this fuck up, like, like hieroglyphics and laughing at you. Like, 
it's such a common it's a, it's a common mistake. I think we've all done it at least a couple of times in our lives. I have, you know what I mean? But it's it's just funny like that mistake could like change history. This it's it might be a watershed moment in history and it's <laughs> it's awful fuck up. Like it's, I thought I think that part of it is this comedy that the part that is hilarious. And it's hilarious. It really is hilarious. But I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like the simplest things sometimes just you know, they just reveal themselves themselves, right? Off of the simplest mistakes, like wars are created off of the simplest things that you would think would never justify something like that, right? Yeah. It's like that one little mistake that Bill Belichick made has now set off a multi million dollar lawsuit, class action lawsuit against the <laughs> NFL. That one little text, one little flippant text where he mistakes two Bryans. Yeah. It's insane. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And, and you know what? And I'll say this to like, you know, if I want to make a point in the owner's defense, I guess a, to, to play devil's advocate more or less, mm-hmm. like if I'm a billionaire, right? I I don't want somebody interfering with who I want to hire or dictate who they want me to hire. I might balk at that too. Right. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I, I get it from that perspective of being a billionaire. You get to this point, you've accumulated this wealth, and here's somebody telling me who I want to hire. I'm a billionaire. The, you know the ego that comes with that? Oh, for sure, 100%. Like, like that, I, 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 I get that part of it. But the fact that, like, again, that they even have to put a, a, something like a, like a Rooney rule in place to even begin with is a disservice at the end of, at the, end of the day, right? And the joke is it's still not working. Like even with the fines and the losses and, 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 and the loss of picks in place, again, like they're just finding the loopholes. And yep. but and, and the thing is it's so dumb for like these owners to like take this sub- stubborn stance because all they gotta do is look at the NBA. The mm-hmm. NBA regularly employs black coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it doesn't come close to hurting the product. Right now there's some there are some great coaches in the NBA, black coaches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Case in point, Monty Williams. Monty Williams has had a couple of opportunities to be a great coach. Uh, sorry, be a coach, I should say. Took some time off after his, his wife died in a car accident, took care of his family, and <coughs> ends up taking the Phoenix Suns his first year to the NBA Finals. <coughs> you know, right now, he's presiding over the, over. I think right now, they're 41-9. They're and nine. They're, the, they're the best. They have the best. The Suns have the best record in the NBA right now. You know what I mean? And yes, a lot of that is the players. A lot of that is Chris Paul, but he set that culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of great black coaches doing stuff in the league and just continue to be do, uh, doing things. And But they get the proper due process. Like, Dwayne Casey, right, when he was coaching the Raptors, he coached them for a bunch of years, got fired, unfortunately, the year before Kawhi comes. And not even the year before, like a few weeks after Kawhi comes <laughs> and the Raptors win the title. But guess what? He goes to Detroit. Detroit is a rebuilding team. They're still in rebuilding mode. They just got the number one pick last summer, uh, right. and, and and picked up Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham is a is a nice rookie. He's still presiding over that four years later over that project. He's he has a chance to at least, and I don't know if he's going to make it to the to the to the top of the mountain if they end up being like a, a championship team. But I'm saying that he he's not getting fired after year one of tanking. You know what I mean? Like he's he's gotten opportunities. They were okay. When he got there, they have to rebuild. They're not throwing him out the window with the rebuild. Like he's getting a chance to at least be part of it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like if this was the NFL, he might have been gone by year two or year one. So so to me, it's like all they got to do is just look at the look at the NBA. Like the NBA is doing this successfully for so long, and it's sad that like again the NFL still has this problem with putting a black face to lead men, and it's sad that we're still having the discussion all these years later. Like it's it's crazy to me that like Roger, aren't you tired of this? Like. Aren't you like? Aren't you tired of even having these conversations or watching or listening to them? It's like I feel like it's like a bad remake of Groundhog Day. I, like I, I much rather honestly. I thought today we'll be talking about how my Niners Jimmy G their way out of a, the NFC Championship, but instead we're here. This yep. is what we're doing right now. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. Like, yep. aren't you exhausted? I'm tired. Like, this like I'm not even. We're not even in the league. I'm not even in the league. I'm tired of these conversations. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Oh, yeah, I, I'm I'm well past. I'm exhausted. I'm traumatized. I'm, you you name it. You name it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I do not even know what to say. And this crazy part is, we know that these things happen every single day, regardless of whether it's the entertainment industry, athletics. It doesn't matter. You know, whether it happens at work, your work, my work, it doesn't matter. It's always the same stuff. And it's always the same issues that come up time and time again. We could protest. We could riot. We could do anything. But we always end up in the exact same spot. 20 years later, we're in the exact same spot. And this goes for everything, whether it's you know police brutality. Um, it's, 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 it's everything. It's everything. You know, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It really is. What's and I think at this point, all of us have scars. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not like the joke is, too. It's like, you know, you think about 2006, right? So about 16 years ago to this around this time, you had two black coaches coaching against each other in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Right. Lovey Smith and, and Tony Dungy. And 16 years later, we're, we're having a black coach sue the league just just to get crumbs. From a slice of bread. Interview Calvin. It's not even for the job. He's not even saying that he got passed over, or passed over by somebody who was who was inferior to him. Can't even get an interview. Can't even righteously get an interview. A proper, like, uh, like a proper self-respected interview, right? Not even an interview. Like, like even if you, even if you are the most racist person in this world, and you refuse to hire black people, right? The fact that there's a menu, you would think at least they would respect the game enough to say, you know what, let me interview at least one black person amongst the five or ten white people that I'd interview. And we can't even get that. We can't even get an interview. We're struggling. They would rather get, take yeah. the fine and say, you know what, I will take the fine rather than even interview a black person. Like, that's crazy to me. Absolutely nuts to me. Or they do interview that person and even that black candidate feels like I'm just here just to fill a quota. Like I'm, I got, I know I was, this, this interview wasn't taken seriously. You know what I mean? And, and there's people throughout different genres of industries that's gone through that same thing where they, they left, they left that interview feeling like, yeah, I'm not getting this job. I feel like I was just here to like, to say like, I, I, inter I interviewed two black people. Like it's, it's almost like the, I have a black friend. Like that's, that's kind of what it felt like, like feels like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my maid is black. Right. Yeah, my, my cook is black, and we're we're really good friends. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. You know, and 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 again, I I wish him the best because, mm -hmm. you know, again, it, it takes a lot of courage to do this. Mm 
You know, mm-hmm. the, the fact that he's putting this on the lap of the NFL during their Super Bowl week where they should be celebrating the mm-hmm. foot, the game of football, the fact that it's in L.A., you know, like it's a win-win-win for the NFL right now, the fact that um, they're playing a Super Bowl in, a, in one of their brand-new flagship stadiums in the the highest television market um, where the Super Bowl, it, the Super Bowl halftime performance even is going to be very L.A.-based. You got a, a, a high-profile team right now playing against an up-and-coming up and coming team with a stud quarterback who has like legions of millions of fans uh, from the whole you know time that he was at LSU coming to follow this kid. So it was like the boy wonder and, and, and the glitzy team that's basically coming together on the league's biggest stage. And now nobody's talking about that. We're only talking about this. So just so, that alone, you know, you know, the NFL, the owners are, are coming after they're going to be coming after Flores with like the strength of Hades. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And what, what are they bringing? They're bringing their unlimited resources, their army of lawyers. Um, they're going to judge through every part of this man's past. They're going to find his kindergarten teacher who, who claimed that he, he pushed a girl down in, in elementary school when he was in kindergarten and they're going to chastise him over it. Like they, they were going to pull out all the stops. Yeah. They've got private investigators. I mean, look at, look at what they did with Tom Brady one before the flake gate. And you know, that could have easily been solved. They, they spent over like, I think like 10, $15 million on that whole case. And literally all you had to do was bring in a young girl from a grade seven science class to explain to you that during the winter time, you know, balls tend to deflate because of the gas rule. Like, I mean, they are going to go all out and they were going to, they're going to basically try and destroy this man 100%. He'll never work in the NFL again and he'll never get a defensive coordinator job. He won't even get a special teams job. He won't get, and he won't even be the ball boy. They are going to destroy him. That's the NFL. Like, what else can I say? Yeah. And, and it's sad that everybody has that conclusion, himself included. Like everybody kind of knows like, yeah, like you're basically sacrificing. You're going to be the sacrificial lamb. Like your career is basically a wrap. Like uh, you basically have to hope that like being optimistic, you got to hope that, you know, he's going to get another job or you got to hope that at least some of these other coaches fall in line. And I hope some powerful people jump in to help him. Like, like the Avenger Endgame style, you know, on, <laughs> on your left and, yeah. and Belichick's, left. And Belichick's <laughs> flying through the wormhole. Like you get, you hope you hope that stuff happens. Like I hope other black coaches hop in too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's well, just like it's just it's just crazy to see. Like I'm thinking about this now. Like Peyton Manning, most of his career spent the majority of his career being coached by black coaches. Sure. You know what I mean? So like, of course this can be done. And yes, we know what we understand that he was kind of like the his his own mini you know offensive coordinator onto himself. But that doesn't matter. He was still being led by black coaches. Absolutely, 100%. You know, so, so, of course, this can be done. We've seen this. Tomlin's won a Super Bowl. He's never had a losing season. But think about this. Like, if Tomlin was on another team, he like he would have been – there's no way he would have been on this team for 15 years. No, I agree. Even with never having a losing season. So true. As crazy as that is. So, like, before we move on to our, our final points, like, what do you – how do I even put this? Um does Flores have a chance? Does Flores, does he have a chance of winning this? It depends on what you what, what you think winning looks like. 
That's what it depends on. Most likely, what's going to happen is he's going to get the same deal as Kaepernick got. They're basically going to get him to sign a non-disclosure non-disclosure um, agreement, and they're going to pay him off, and he won't be able to say whether he won or lost the case. That's most likely what's going to happen. Because at the end of the day, they have much deeper pockets. Um, you know, like I said before, they have an army of lawyers, and they could they could take this case. They could get take this case on for another 10, 15, maybe even twenty years. You know, the NFL NFL is a multi billion dollar organization, and if they think that you're going to damage their product, they will they will they will stab you, and they will let you bleed out, and they'll let you die on your own. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen. But this, you know? is, but what's wild though, Roger, is look at like listen to what you're saying, and mm. think about how they're going to attack this on on the topic that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like that's why I wonder if like does he have a chance of winning this because the PR hit for this is I mean it was bad with Kaepernick as it was, but it wasn't really because the NFL, as you can see, it's it's never been bigger. You know what I mean? Like their their next TV deal, they're talking about like I mean I don't even know what the numbers are, but it's like it's basically like astronomical. It's even yeah. more astronomical than it already is, right? And and I mean and and I think they're even talking about like opening up more more uh, bids for Thursday night games. So the money's going to be coming in no matter what. But like but think of the topic in this day and age now, especially with the social climate. Like this is what they're going to attack. Like if these guys were smart, they would probably like I would settle with them out of court. But yeah. Roger, I would make maybe make him sign a non-disclosure, same thing, but give him a damn job. Yeah. Like to me, this like something like this is so easy to rectify. But Calvin, they're not going to do it though. I know they're or they're going to fight like hell to do it. But un- unless the PR head is so heavy, like they just say, hey, you know what, guys, you know we agree with them. We're going to make this better. You know, like, that's the only way this 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 happens. Like the the court of public opinion has to win out too. Calvin, there's not like it's it's there, it's not like there's not president. You know, looking Colin Kaepernick, is he working? Did they offer him a job? They blackballed him, and I honestly truly believe that they're going to do the same thing to Brian Flores. Yeah, and we all we all believe that. I think we all believe that. You know, is this the era? Is this the era to to stand by that type of stance? Absolutely not. One hundred percent, absolutely not. But this is the NFL, and the NFL will find a way to redeem or try to make it seem like they're redeeming so- themselves. And you know, it, with them, it's all about it's it's all about um, it, it's all about it's all about saving their um, saving face. Basically, that's what it's all about. It's all about them coming off and basically, you know, saying. You know, Flores is completely wrong. This is not something that's happening. And they're just going to disparage him and they're going to tear him down. And I don't know. It's just just frustrating, man. It's just thinking about these sort of situations gives me like PSD, PSD, you know, PTSD, PTSD, sorry, PTSD. Yeah, because it's just it's, it's a no win situation. And you know that he's doing the right thing and you know that he's done all the right things yet. You already know how this is going to end up. Regardless of the era, it always ends up the same, Calvin. You know, I don't want to be pessimistic. But- no, and, and you have every right to be. You have every right to be. I am too. But I'll say this much, though. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't sue an entity as big as the NFL if you don't have anything in place. 
Like mm-hmm. I'm giving Flores and his lawyers the benefit of the doubt that they have a mountain of evidence or information because for you to only do this out of anger and out of emotion is to cut your own nose. And you may still be doing that anyway, but at least if it, you know, if it, if it's going to help go, you know, everyone going forward, especially the generation behind you that's trying to get these positions, then at the, the very least is worth the sacrifice. But I'm, I'm just giving the benefit of the doubt that he's not doing this out of anger alone. And when they ask for information, he doesn't have anything to back up because then that's, that is just, but I, again, I don't think a lawyer worth his salt would take the case if there wasn't proof on this. Right. So I believe everything he's saying. I, I mean, again, like I said, we were going to, you know, spend a segment of, of this episode instead of, you know, the majority of this episode talking about this very subject, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so we know what's out there. We don't even work for the league. <laughs> we know what's out there or work or work with the league. Like we know what's out there, you know? Yeah. So, so like the, the fact that this is blown up immensely on Super Bowl, you know, during the Super Bowl time, Super Bowl week or weeks, this is the time we're supposed to be celebrating the game. Like this is, this is a, this has landed on the NFL's doorstep in such an awkward way. And I think that's the, that's the best way to do it. There's a chance where, you know, and I always, before we move on to this topic, like I always hated the fact that the Clippers never walked off the floor when that whole thing with Donald Sterling happened. Like yeah, I thought, I, I, I always felt like they had a chance to make history. That, that was the moment, like that civil rights moment they could have gave us by yeah. just, you know, like having the jump on and both teams walking off the floor, it would have friggin' changed history. You it know what I mean? But instead, they true. instead you know they Sterling got you know you know dumped off for life, and they just took their the Clippers just took their warm up jerseys and threw it on the floor. Like nobody remembers that shit. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and I feel like I'm saying like I'm not saying the you know, like the players should do that. Like in terms of walking off the field but i would love to see some sort of solidarity for flores during that week somebody like it would be it would be great to see like you know it would be great to see something like that absolutely absolutely it would be great to see something like that but we'll see but i I would love to see something like that just just some sort of solidarity for the guy to make sure like even on the even on the, the world's biggest stage does Mary J come out with a with a Brian Flores dress during the <laughs> during the performance? Something I need something. I I would love to see something that you know twenty years from now you're gonna remember that moment and 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 it actually led to like real change. You know what I mean? Absolutely. However way it goes, like I would love to see that. Yep, same pair, definitely same pair. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to see. We'll see what happens. I mean, there are some coaches out there that are progressive. You know, you take somebody like let's say Andy Reid. Um, there's several coaches that when it comes to, to black lives and some of the things that we experience, they do come in in defense to us. So, I mean, I'm just hoping that some of those people step up and they come out and say something, right? Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. Because it's, it's easy for people to say, well, just another angry black person who feels like they're not getting what they're supposed to get. Another entitled black person. That's basically how they type. That's how they title it. Right. Right. Now, um, I guess before we wrap up, I guess we'll do this this pretty quickly. But um, your thoughts on Brady retiring? Oh, yeah, that was a <laughs> oh man, that was pretty uh, adventurous. I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling you, what a what a turn of events. Um, you know, first he was basically all the news news uh, different news outlets reported that he was retiring. Then a day later, he came out and said, no, I haven't made my decision yet. And then a day later, 
turns out he ended up retiring anyways, right? So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. been kind of like a roller coaster. And you know what? I, I don't know. I, I feel terrible because it's Tom Brady and, I, and I'm, I'm selfish. I, I love watching him play. And I'm lo- I love watching him. Um, I feel like every time I watch him play in, in, in any game, that means anything. It's like he just somehow he just rises and you know he takes a lot of the times and i'm not talking about recently with the bucks but in the past he's taken ordinary players and just made them amazing right. you know he'll take a julian edelman and he'll make julian edelman edelman basically look like randy moss right even though edelman only has about one tenth of the talent of randy moss and that's what I always loved about him. And then that's why, you know, I always liked the Patriots because I felt like no matter what game they went into, they were always the underdogs. But as long as they had Brady, they had a chance. And watching him play for these 22 years has been crazy. You know, he started off started off back in 2003. You know, it took a major injury by Drew Bledsoe to get him in the game. And he basically led them to a Super Bowl. Right. And then he led them to two other Super Bowls. And then there was a drought of, I think, about 10 years. And then he won another Super Bowl. There was another drought of about, I don't know, a couple years again. And then he won like three Super Bowls within the span of five years with the Patriots. You know, his career is spectacular. It's amazing. As a lot of what the sportscasters have said, like, if you look at his 22 years, you can literally break it down into three different Hall of Fame careers. You know, yeah. whether his first couple of years where he won three Super Bowls, his next couple of years where he won two Super Bowls or his final years when he's run like four or five Super Bowls. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm sorry to see him go, but I get it. Man's 44 years old, Calvin. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm 44, to, I'm 44 years old as well. Like seriously, every every morning I get out of bed and I feel like I have aches and pains. Oh, I can you... imagine him getting hit by linebackers and defensive linemen at forty four years old. Like I, I just can't imagine. And even just watching this year and the last couple of games where his O line wasn't that great, I would literally like scrunch my eyes every time this guy got hit, and he got hit pretty frequently. So I could only imagine the amount of pressure that was being put on him from his family and his wife. Because I mean. There's a reason why people do not survive in the NFL for 22 years. Average tenure of a, of, a, of a player is usually like three to five years if you're lucky. And and you know some of it is because of the rule changes too. Like I, I'll I'll okay. argue that to the to the ends of time. Where like again, if he was playing in the 80s, would he have lasted until he was 44 years old in the 90s? There's no way. There's no way he would have lasted. No way. The way they were taking quarterbacks out back then. But, but Calvin. Nobody would last in the eighties. There's a reason why they put in all those rules. No, for sure, for sure. And, and, he, and he took, <laughs> a, and he, took a, he took advantage of it. And I'm not saying this to knock Brady because I love watching Brady. But mm-hmm. I, I was even telling you this last week. I think this is a perfect time to go. I'm happy he left, and not because mm-hmm. I'm like I don't want to see his team succeed or anything like that. Like I, like when I say I generally enjoy watching Brady play, I do. I know people don't like the, watching the Patriots. A lot of it was because of those the success of those teams, but I'm a fan. I'm a stickler of 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 watching somebody master their, their skill set and master the foundations of whatever the craft it is. I don't care what it is. It could be sports. It could be art, I, like entertainment. doesn't matter what it is. I love to see people master their craft and master the skills within that craft. You I know, understand. You know, so so I that's why I had appreciation for him. Like, 
I would say one of my favorite players I used to love watching, and, and, and I'm talking basketball now, but like, and people would think this might be crazy, but I enjoyed really, especially when he was in his prime, I truly enjoyed watching Tim Duncan play basketball. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of it was because like that guy, he wasn't exciting. Fundamentals. But that fundamental game, like he had that on Smash. Like you yep. from day one. Like he had like he, he had mastered the, all the fundamental skills. Because when you master the fundamental fundamental skills, now you can become creative. Now you can become great. You become yep. unstoppable. And even if you just keep it to the you don't you you take out the flash, once you have that down, there's nothing you can do. So I loved watching him go off the glass and just break guys down and give you 30 and 14 and stuff and just, you know, like, like just whole hum every day. Like, you know, it was so consistent. I loved watching that. I felt like Brady in a lot of ways was the same way. Like Brady wasn't the most flashiest guy, you know what I mean? But like he gave you everything that he gave you and it was all rooted in those fundamental skills. And as he got older, you know, like <laughs> he went to the extremes to keep himself in shape. But I mean, that's how dedicated he was, right? But Absolutely. but I love like I said I I like like and you can't even see, I mean he wasn't going on on top because he didn't win the title but he's going on on top in the fact that like his skills were still sharp you yep. know what I mean like he didn't he's not leaving with major injuries he's proven everything that you could prove as a quarterback and you know before you start seeing that real decline like have everybody remember you on the high note like even if he doesn't win MVP Roger that's again it's fine like. Again, yep. this like what he did was unprecedented. Like leave on that mark. Absolutely. Like you you left the Patriots, people were questioning if it was if it was you, if it was Bill. Well, now you can at least have a very strong argument to say no, it was me because I just took another team, you know, year 1 and won a Super Bowl with them during the pandemic. So you know, in that aspect it's like, yo, like like I, I would have been cool if he even left after he won the Super Bowl. But the fact that he came back and did it again, cool. Had a great year. You know, like, does it make sense to go play for another team? If, if you know, again, you know, if he wants to come play for the Niners, I was not going to say no. But they should grab him. They had their chance. They should have grabbed him. I would, I, I would put money that if they had grabbed Tom Brady, they would have been back to back Super Bowl, back to back Super Bowls at least. I, I agree. I agree with you because that team does everything. Every the the one part that has always been the weakness of the Niners since Joe Montana left, or even since Kaepernick left. Was quarterback? Yeah, they are one I would say quarterback the quarterback away left, from yeah. winning championship, literally. Yeah, you know, and I mean, look at Tom Brady's stats: twenty-two years in the league, seven-time Super Bowl winner, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three times he won the the regular season MVP, um, second all-time in passing yards. Um, actually, I think he is think he first. Yeah, I think he's first now. I think he's first now. First, now. Yeah. first all-time in passing yards. First all time in, in touchdowns, um, like fourteen Pro Bowl selections, like just the twenty two years in the league just kind of blows my mind. Like honestly, he's playing with coaches that are younger than him. He's playing with coaches and players, whereas he played with their fathers, or he played with their their fathers and uncles. Like it's it's, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, crazy, 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 and for you to be forty-four years old and still lead the league this year, he led the league in yards, he led the league in touchdowns. That blows my mind, and he has one of the best. He had one of the best records versus um, versus Aaron Rodgers as well in terms of just like thirteen and four or thirteen and five or whatever they were. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. And, and- I'm glad. Like, I'm glad he's going out on top, and I'm glad that he's not not going out injured. 
because there's nothing worse than watching somebody you kind of idolize throughout the year just kind of deteriorate right before your eyes, right? Like watching Drew Brees um, last year, it was painful. Yeah. Just because, I, I, you know, you've seen his highs and now you've seen like the low of the lows. And even with Ben Roethlisberger, never been a big fan of Ben Roethlisberger, but I've always been a big fan of his talent, mm -hmm. right? And kind of his never quit tough guy like he takes the hits he gets injured he keeps playing always thought that that was fantastic but then his last year this year he was absolutely terrible and just i couldn't even watch him play anymore it was just painful to watch because i felt like he was just a shell of himself right mm -hmm. peyton manning was the same way too peyton manning was terrible in his final two years of playing football he was horrible horrible i feel like there's nothing worse than than you know, watching talent just kind of deteriorate in front of you. Now, I guess to wrap up my last my last question or last segment here, um, your your thoughts on the championship games? Should I vent? <laughs> should I vent first? <laughs> I know you have some venting, so go go no, ahead. You, you know, you know what? Honestly, like it's. I, I you know what I'll 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 say this. Let me start with the Bengals. One one of my dark horses finally made it. When my dark horses finally made it, Roger, they finally made it, you know, all year, you know, we've been talking back and forth about the Bengals. Like we knew that this, there's a possibility this team could do this, even though I feel vindicated that even though, yes, I picked Kansas city to win the game, just ignore that. That, that, that never happened. Um, but like, yeah, their, their, their future is bright, man. Like they're really cementing the AFC like, as like a real power conference again, because it's not just them. Now you still got to deal with Kansas city. Still got to deal with Buffalo. Lamar Jackson's still coming. You know there's going to be a team that's going to come out the woodworks from that from that division. There's usually a team in each conference that pops out of nowhere. You know, again, I, I think I was talking about this last week. If Aaron Rodgers decides to go to Tennessee, woo, fire, right? You got Herbert. You still got to deal with Herbert, right? Like, and, and, and um, you know, they tighten that up a little bit. That division is going to be something to wreck with for the next Man, the next ten years is gonna be crazy because again, all the with the exception of like I said, if Rogers goes to Tennessee, all those heavy hitters are all young. They're all like twenty five and under. Like holy shit! Like yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be insane how how tight this uh, the AFC is gonna be like from next year going forward. It's gonna be crazy. Yep, the future is bright. Definitely, and the future is bright with the new crop of quarterbacks or even general players in general. I mean. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one thing I can say. Like you, right now, what we're what we're doing is we're watching the guys that we grew up with. Um, you know, the quarterbacks, the running backs that we grew up with. They're all retiring, and you know, five years ago, I would have told you that I'm scared for the quality of the NFL product because you know the quarterbacks that are coming up aren't as good as the quarterbacks that we've known that we've watched for the past 10, 10 15 years, but. I find within like the past, like literally within the past five years, it's just like all these fantastic quarterbacks are just popping up out of nowhere. Know. You know, Lamar Jackson, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, we have Herbert, you have Joe Burrow, um, you know, all these guys that are just kind of popping up. It's like, wow, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, just to touch upon that Bengals game, you know, watching that game, I... The first thing I thought of was, good, the Chiefs aren't going to win. And the reason I say that is because I feel like people put a lot of hype behind the Chiefs 
And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is very talented, and the Chiefs team is very, very talented. But I feel like people, they want to they want to put Patrick Mahomes in the same league as putting, like, let's say, a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Joe, Joe Montana. Montana. Yeah. And, and I find that's really, like, who's, for somebody who actually loves the history of football and, you know, kind of like a student of the game, you know, growing up watching it for 20, 30 years, I, I feel like you need to earn your stripes before those talks start start accumulating, right? You need to win a few Super Bowls before that could actually happen. And I don't know. I think that that's what irritates me the most. It's just the way that people put these teams on pedestals, even though they're they're great teams. But, you know, you have to at least play for at least five to ten years before you start putting the names, the names today in the same league as as these guys that have been paying 20, 22 years, who have Super Bowls, who won titles, who, who basically bled for the game, right? So, I mean, watching Joe Burrow win, I, I felt good about that because, I'll be honest with you, I've never met a Bengals fan. Not I once. know. I don't know one. <laughs> I don't know a Bengals fan. Like, I think I've known pretty much every other team. I know somebody who's actually liked the team or at least repped it. The Bengals, I've never met a Bengals fan in my life. And I, I'm glad Joe Burrow won. Like watching him, watching him play, he's amazing. He's a fantastic, a fantastic quarterback. And you know, you and I have been talking about this since last year. We're like, look out for the Bengals. Look out for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. You know, since they since they brought Chase in, we were like, you know, that's another wide receiver. They're already very, very talented on the offensive side. And now they're adding to it. And it just goes to show. Like at the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody would have said. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. No, 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 I, I don't I think so at all. It. I, I definitely, I wouldn't have bet a dollar that the Bengals were going to the Super Bowl, right? But it just goes to show you um, with the NFL, the one thing that's good with free agency and the caps and so on, it does have a way of making the weaker team become strong after a while. After they draft, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a team that's not that great, you're constantly drafting in the first in the early first round you're constantly picking up players eventually you're going to be a good team and that's exactly what it was with the Bengals when was the last time the Bengals were any good like I can't even I'm thinking like Carson Palmer days and I don't even think I, I can't even remember the last time they won a playoffs when was the last time they won a playoff no it was, playoff it, it game? Was, they even went to a playoff 2008 was, or something like that no they they went remember you you're skipping over the Andy Dalton AJ Green years right but yeah yeah but, but they, they didn't win a playoff game in those times too but at least they were decent like they were still they were still all right for that time being knuckleheads though because perfect yeah. and all those guys were <laughs> stopping True. their progress half the time and Pac-Man Jones and stuff but yeah. Um, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I, you know, with Kansas City, like, I know what you're saying about Mahomes, but to the in defense of everybody, and myself included, the stuff he was doing the first couple of years, especially in the league, like, we never right. seen a quarterback ever do anything. Like, I never seen a quarterback throw a no look completed pass multiple times, <laughs> throw with their <laughs> offhand multiple times. You know what I mean? Like, like the stuff he was doing. Like, I, 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 I was given the story that when my Niners are up on on KC, I think it was like twenty six ten or whatever it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When when he made that completion to Tyreek Hill with less than six minutes to go in the game, I was just like, oh boy, I feel the storm coming. I feel <laughs> it coming. 
and yeah, and, and it came in and washed over our team. And I remember you called me, and we did a show about it right afterwards. And you're yeah. like, "How do I feel?" And I'm like, "I'm not even that mad." <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, I'm like, I'm disappointed, yes, but I'm like, I'm not even that angry. I'm like, we 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 got Mahomes. Like that's basically what happened. Like Mahomes just came and got us. Like I can't even. You saw what the last two years was those, those first two years that he did, like when he was starting. He was, he was unstoppable those first two years. Yeah, I, 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 I think what happened was like after the Super Bowl, I think they kind of lost a little bit of shine, and I think it, it came back for them this year. But again, this guy, I mean, they were what uh, um, uh, an interception away from being back in the Super Bowl again, and, and uh, many people can say this is probably like a down year for them. Which sounds crazy for a team that won like twelve games. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I mean, when I, when I look at that game, man, at first my first intention after I watched that game was, you know, Mahomes really stunk it up in the second half. That's what my thoughts were, right? Mm. The first half they were absolutely stellar. The whole team was amazing. Three touchdowns in two quarters. Um, you know, Mahomes had over three hundred yards. Um, they were running up and down the field on them, and then after halftime, it was like. Whoa, what happened? Suddenly, Mahomes wasn't playing as well as he has. Actually, even before that, the very last plays of um, of the end of the first half, when they were on the one-yard line and they just couldn't get it into the end zone, Yeah, I think that kind of that kind of switched something on in Mahomes' head where it's like, I feel like all his confidence just was gone after that, right? And... I put I put a lot of it on Mahomes, but I have to put it, a lot of it on Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy as well, because what the team did and what this is what all great teams do. The Bengals was they made adjustments and they moved. What they ended up doing was they ended up going into a zone coverage. They were dropping eight guys back in coverage and only rushing three. Three defensive linemen were rushing the quarterback. Yeah, and because of that, they were double teaming Tyreek Hill. They were double teaming teaming uh, Travis Kelsey, and it worked. And instead of of Kansas City making the adjustments and switching to the running game, which was really good at that point, like McKinnon, you and I were watching that game. McKinnon was dashing them for like five, ten yards at a time. Mm-hmm. Right? They completely moved away from the run in the second half. Yeah. Completely. And what they did was they left their struggling quarterback who lacked any confidence. They left him on an island by himself and they told him, pass the ball, even though you're having a terrible game. So, well, up to that point, he was he was having a good game. But after that, he had a terrible game. They basically just said, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep passing. And just goes to show you, I mean, it's, it's what the good teams do. They make adjustments, right? Even like last year's Super Bowl, it was the same thing. They didn't make the proper adjustments. The whole line was terrible. What did they do? Instead of bringing in the tight ends, two tight ends to help block, they just tried to pass their way out of it, and they just got decimated because of it. So, I mean, I put a lot of that on. I put a lot of the loss on Mahomes, but I have to put just as much blame on Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid because they never adjusted. great teams make adjustments. That's what they do. And, and you know what? And I, I know we've been talking about this. I know I've said this as well. Um, I I think they're they're a, a solid, consistent running back away from being like basically unstoppable again. Like they're pretty unstoppable as it is, but they're missing. They're like to me. I'm like I would kick the tires on Kareem Hunt. I keep saying it. I'm like <laughs> I'd bring him back. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and just, you know, either you're running it by committee, but like you got to, to me, I'm like, if he's a free agent, which I think he is, I'd bring him back. I'd bring, I'd bring was unstoppable. They were unstoppable. Kareem oh Hunt. my God. Like they're, they're, they're a, they're a video game. They're a video game with and he, and he still has got, he still has a lot of tread on the tires. I would, I would, I would do it in the seat. Like I said, even if you're running a committee with him and, and, and uh, CH or, or, or McKinnon, the three of them, or, you, you know, you're giving it to him more, but like they they need to like get a solidified running game because that whole only putting three in the box, like you can't do that if you have like Kareem Hunt there. He's gonna gash that hole inside that whole middle. He's gonna he's gonna run Even through that whole offense, and that opens everything else up. Calvin, if you're rushing three guys and you're dropping eight guys in coverage, the holes that they would be able to see if they were able to run the oh ball. Oh my gosh! It would like be come insane. on. Come on, you still have five old linemen on the line, and you possibly still have two tight ends that are coming out as well. Like, I mean, they would literally have to block three people, and then the closest people to them would be probably be around ten yards away. Exactly. But it's like it's, I watch games like that. I'm like, what are you guys doing, man? You cannot pass your way out of every single, every I guess every single team you go against. Yes, it worked with Buffalo. It didn't work with Buffalo. But it didn't work with the Bengals. You guys need to try something different. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing that Belichick. That's why. That's why Belichick has won so many Super Bowls. Adjustments. Atlanta Falcons when he won when they went against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Atlanta made a lot of mistakes, yes, but they switched up the offense in order to try and beat Atlanta's defense. This is what great great players do. They make great great teams do. They make adjustments on the fly. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It was it was frustrating to me. It was frustrating, but in the same way, I'm kind of like, well, you know, you guys got to learn. At some point in time, you got to you gotta learn. You can't pass your way against every single team you go against. I, I, I'm just loving the fact that you're extending this conversation and leaving less time for me to talk about my Niners. Um, thank you. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that, Roger. You, you've been amazing for doing that. Um, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm something, it's compassionate, okay? <laughs> Right now, ease your pain a little bit. No, you, you, you know what? I, I've I've um I'm I've been able to sleep now, which is good. Um, I wasn't sleeping well the first two nights. I've been sleeping a little better, uh, recently. And I will say this much, man. We you know we we fought off Jimmy G as much as we could, man. Yeah, we fought him. Yeah. We fought him off as much as we could. He just Jim, Jimmy G came and got us. You know, Jimmy G, it's Jimmy G, man. Listen, he is who we thought he was, one hundred percent. You know what, I, Jimmy G, like the most frustrating thing is that there's times when this guy looks like Tom Brady, and then there's other times when this guy looks like he's literally like Josh McCown. Yeah, can't do anything right, and that game was a perfect example of that. Like right going all throughout the game, you know, he wasn't spectacular, but he did enough in order to make sure to keep them in there. And their defense was phenomenal. But then those last couple minutes of the game, when I sat there and I looked at it, and I was like, okay, so um, so the other team just scored. You have a minute and a half left. minute and like 40 seconds left to go down and kick a field goal. I was like, I was thinking to myself, if you had Mahomes, if you had Allen, if you had Brady, if you had Stafford, you know, everybody would have been like, "Okay, the game's Russell over. Wilson, pretty much anybody at Russell that point." Wilson. Yeah, you, you're like, "Okay, no problem." All they'd have to do is basically hit this a few sideline passes, and then kick a forty to fifty yard field goal. 
which in this day and age most kickers can do with their eyes closed. Yeah. Especially goal, then you're in a and you're in a dome. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But then Jimmy G, just watching Jimmy G behind there, I was like, I don't think they're going to do this. <laughs> I was like, I don't think this is going to happen. And then I watched first down, he throws into the ground. Second time, second down, he overthrows. Third time, he's kind of running for his life. He kind of chucks the ball away. Um, no, it was a, was it a third down or the fourth time where? Oh no, it was, a thir- of, it was a third down. It was a, thir- it was a third down. Sorry, third down. He basically he's running for his life, about to be tackled, and he made the one mistake that no quarterback should ever make. He literally just kind of chucks up the ball to try and throw it away, and. I was like, dude, you've been in the league for way too long to be making a stupid ass mistake like that. I know. Take the flippant sack for God's sakes and live to fight another day. Or just throw it out of bounds. Like once you see that, just throw it. Like just you could have just honestly, 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 Roger, as he was going down, he could have just thrown it at at um at Hasty's feet. That's all they had to do. Just throw it at his feet. That would at least would have been fourth and ten. Yeah, but you know what, Calvin? What do they say? Pressure, what does it say? Pressure, Pressure breaks stones, but they make diamonds. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just too much pressure. Thinking about it way too much. I don't know. I, I felt I, I felt terrible for you because I know that you're a Niners fan, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, like, I was basically sitting there like, man, I'm just, trust me, the same feeling you're feeling, I was feeling the same way. Because I told yeah. you, I've told you for years, I, I'm I'm not confident in Jimmy G, right? Like, I, I, even though I agree with everything you're saying, you know, he has his moments where he's where when he's on, he's playing great. But then mm-hmm. you you just don't know when those those moments are coming where he's just gonna just make you bang your head against the wall, you know. Yeah. And 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 you felt it, you felt it in the fourth quarter, like some of the passes he was making, you're like, man, like he's yeah. he's almost trying yeah. to throw this away again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I know, and I know, we had the thumb injury and stuff, but it was just, it wasn't even that. It was the decisions. I mean, yeah. we're not, we're not even going to talk about the drop pick, you know, in the middle of the oh. field that probably would have clinched that game. Oh, you know, and and then and then the second and the third and one plays where they just they just try to run it in and got stuffed at the fifty, and then they didn't go for it on fourth down. Like, no, that that stuff burns you. But like, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of everything. But just again. Like just take the sack. I would have rather him just take the sack than do that. Like I was so mad, Roger. I was so mad. Like that. That honestly, that felt worse than when when um when Kaepernick threw the pass to to Crabtree and and, and Sherman tipped it and got it intercepted. Yeah. Um and like you know a few years back in that NFC championship game that that feeling was i probably felt worse feeling that moment than i did when the niners actually lost the super bowl but i'm telling you right now or both super bowls actually because they, they went to two in the last 10 years but it's crazy that that feeling was just as bad or a little worse than than seattle because like seattle had a monster coming man that defense everything it was crazy so it's like yeah. you didn't know what was happening but but I mean, we we should have won that game, man. Like we should have won that game. Like that that's the part I think that just really bothers me. At least with the Seattle game, you didn't really know it was like, you know, tit tit for tat, basically right up until the end. But but like we should have won that game. Yeah, it was it was terrible. We even I had did. the home field advantage. <laughs> we I had know. like sixty percent of the crowd. Six in a row. You've beaten them literally six times in a row, and the one win that they have to pull out has to be in. The um, you know 
the NFC Championship game. Like, would you have preferred if they had just won earlier in the year? No, I'll because because that. because without that victory, we don't even make the playoffs. I don't think, right? So, oh, really? Okay. Well, I didn't know that was the case, but yeah, because we had we had the injuries this year. If, so, if you're gonna lose, you know, lose lose during the season, especially if you're going against a division rival, lose during the season. Don't lose in the champion. Don't lose in the NFC Championship game because that's. And not that it's way. Worst not, not, not that way. Like not not mm-hmm. not the way. Not like way. No. like I think like I think honestly, if you know they just missed a field goal or they just you know the you know like if Jimmy G did his job and we just didn't get it, I could live with that. But just that last drive, just man, ah. Uh. And yeah. and, he, and he's talking about he he wants to play where he's wanted. Well, I mean that's great because he thinks he might get traded, and that's great. But I think that he should know that wherever he goes, wherever he goes. He's going to be holding a clipboard. He should know that. He should at least know that. Calvin, there's some horrible quarterbacking in this league. So, I mean, do I think he's going to be a starter from some team? Yeah, I think he's going to be a starter. Um, Do I think he's going to absolutely suck? Yeah, he's probably going to absolutely suck. He's not going to go to a good team. He'll probably end up on, uh, I don't know. Let me see. What team needs a quarterback right now? The Commanders. Yeah, you'll end up on. Oh, yeah, exactly. You'll end up on the Commanders. Yes, exactly. Definitely end up on the Commanders because they they definitely need a quarterback. Yo, what a gen- what a generic it. what a generic team name. The Commanders. Oh, God. The, the Commanders feels like that's a team that Derwin Davis would have got traded to in the game. Remember the show, the game. Like, yeah. like, like that sort of felt like you would have got traded from the San Diego Sabers to the Washington Commanders. It's, it feels like a CFL team. That's what it feels like. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. This is what happens when when the NFL owner does not want to pay to bring in talent to actually figure out a name of the team. Like, they had so many good names. Like, I I really like the name of the Red Tails, like the Washington Red Tails. Oh, that would have been dope, actually, yeah. Yeah, named after the Tuskegee. Um, wow, Tuskegee that would have been Airmen. sick. Yeah, that would have that been That would have been an awesome name. But It really would have, actually. Yeah, but the commanders like. And did you see the logo? Oh my god! Or even the uniforms, like. Oh my god! Talking about shitting the bed, like honestly, man. Oh, so many. Like even the hogs. I would even preferred like the hogs, the Washington hogs, or something like anything. But the commanders. The commanders. <laughs> Anyways, it's Washington. What do you? You can't expect more from Washington, man. Come on. I mean, I mean, Chocolate City, yes. The team, no. <laughs> Chocolate City, yes. <laughs> Chocolate City, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap it up here, man. Thank you, as always, for hopping on this episode. And, I mean, obviously, we're going to have to do this again because, um, you know, Super Bowl is next week. You know, we so, may still be talking about this Flores situation because I, I, I definitely don't think this is over. The, and, and we might hear more stories coming out of the woodworks, you know, by this time. So, you know, we're definitely going to break down the last two games and then, you know, our, our, our you know, our annual uh, Super Bowl wrap up right after immediately after the game. Yeah, we'll we'll figure all that out, but we'll, we'll be back next week for sure, man. So as always, thank you. And, you know, having having this Flores conversation, man, like this, this shit is wild. It is. It is. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. Thank you for sharing my pain. I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, Kelsey. Thank you for checking out the Av Podcast on South Sharaf Radio. Special shout out once again to Roger Canada for riding shotgun on these playoff episodes. 
We got two more left in the can as we break down the Super Bowl matchup next week, plus our picks for the NFL awards. And look, if anything else pops off with this Brian Flores situation, of course I'm going to speak on it. Hit that like and favorite button, leave comments in the review section, and lace me with that five stars. Please, please, please give me that, give me that, give me that, and thank you. Uh, the State of the Raptors address will be coming soon, towards the end of the month. Um, I will be definitely talking more who's before that. And I'm approaching 200 episodes of the app podcast. So in light of that, I'm going to be having a draft in its honor. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. This was the, officially the 187th episode of the app podcast. Uh, so it will be this spring for sure. That one's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, look out for that one and check out SashaRav.com for the entire catalog of shows going all the way back to 2016. Dive all the way into that for throwback shows from the stoops to my stories as well as these episodes. Uh, once again, that's SashaRav.com. For Roger Calendar, this is Cal C. And you just tuned into the Av Podcast on SashaRav Radio. Until next Friday, be gone. Peace. Be out next week.